Welcome to the ninth episode of Junto Club. On this episode, we briefly discuss the inauguration before spending most of the episode on whether gene editing will deliver a utopian or dystopian future. For any questions, comments, or to talk mosquito extermination, email juntoclubpodcast at gmail.com. This is Junto Club. All right, welcome to the ninth episode of the Junto Club. Uh, This is a kind of group modeled off of Benjamin Franklin's original Junto Club, where they, where he had people meet to discuss business, science, politics, philosophy, to try to learn more about the world and improve themselves. So we're trying to, you know, vaguely resemble that, discuss those sort of topics along with what's going on in today's world. Uh, we're comprised of three PhD students from Georgia Tech. That's where we met each other. And, you know, yeah, that's what this is. All right. Well done. Welcome. So, yeah, so so I'm thinking this way we can talk about, the, first of all, the inauguration, you know, and the big thing happened last week. And then we can move on to uh, gene editing and all the ethical issues and stuff like that. Maybe we can touch on, like, ethical issue of robotics as well because uh, that's something that Mike is very well versus versing, I think. So anyway, uh, anything else you guys want to add to today's agenda, I guess? <laughs> well, I'll just say the big thing last week was not the inauguration. It was Tom Brady making his 10th Super Bowl. But... <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Notice sports was not in the list of things for this club, okay? Right. We're, we're high-minded people here. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, right. So, so we'll, okay, let's talk about Tom Brady. What happened? <laughs> well, okay, just briefly. He he went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's his first year there. He previously had gone to nine Super Bowls with the New England Patriots, won six of those. So this year, he first year in the NFC, and he won the NFC, and now he's in the Super Bowl again with Tampa Bay. And how, how, and how old is he? 43. Wow. Is, so, is he the oldest like, quarterback that's like, able to bring it to the yes, Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's breaking every record for like oldest, you know, whatever, oldest quarterback to win a championship game, throw a touchdown pass, all that type of stuff. Yeah, so. Is he still deflating footballs and cheating? <laughs> he's doing it better than ever, Matt. <laughs> so. I think it's easier to deflate it in Tampa, Florida. Because he's in Florida right now, right? So maybe, maybe. I mean, all right, all right. That's, that's, that's his secret, I guess. Dude, yeah. I just want to ask him what sort of you know new age drugs he's on to stay youthful. Because I, you know, I want to get on those in another 10, 20 years. Yeah. We we talked about this before. He published a book that actually talked about that. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, you know what he say? you know what he say? What? Drink more water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like all the Avengers movie stars say they just ate well and worked out hard and that's how they, you know, gained forty pounds in nine months of muscle. Right. Yeah. 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 Yes. It had nothing to do with steroids, all right. There were definitely no magical pills in their, you know, professionally made meals. Well, maybe Tom Brady Tom Brady has someone conducting like some gene editing on him like very very early stage like mm. editing dna in his muscle tissue 
I assume he's just being injected with stem cells directly into his heart or something. You never know. I mean, they might have done something uh, uh, medical, right? Not medical, but something making, you know, like never get old, I guess. He's a robot. All right, all right. All right, go back to your politics. All right, go back to inauguration. Actually, maybe Biden can get some lessons from Tom Brady so he can stay young as well, right? You mean our president for probably eight to nine months? (laughs) (laughs) Are you you on the conspiracy that Kamala is going to have him offed or removed to take over? No, I think, I mean, he actually has seemed fine in what I've seen of him for the first, whatever, mm. it's been a week or so, a couple, of, I guess it's been five days, so he'll probably yeah. make it four years. Yeah, and that's, a, I guess that's on a lot of people's mind, I guess, right? It's like, oh, how long, how long he's going to be president, right? So, How many presidents have been replaced by the vice president? I mean, Kennedy, I assume really? William Henry Harrison. Or whoever I didn't wasn't he the one who died of pneumonia like six weeks in? Oh really? Yeah, yeah. He caught pneumonia. I think it was William Henry Harrison caught pneumonia at his inauguration and that died. sucks. Yeah, it real sucks. <laughs> all right. So, um, I mean, all right. Let's let's not let's not be a downer, Mike. You know, it's a celebration of America. We just you know. Let, let us have some, you know, happy days, you know, maybe at least 100 days, you know, and then we can talk about <laughs> the downside. So yeah. what, what did you guys talk about uh, inauguration? Did you guys watch it? Uh, a little bit of it. I don't really feel like much happened. It was pretty just, you know, run of the mill. Mm. I mean, I guess it was different because of COVID and stuff and some extra security in case people like try to riot again. But like, I mean, besides for that, I don't know. It was basically just standard, right? They did the ceremony. Biden started dropping executive orders and changes left and right. Hmm. Well, my policies, any policies that you think, any policies that you disagree or don't like? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, uh, had, are we getting 1400 more or 2000 more dollars do we know yet? you you are not getting right you are too you are you're making too much hey i haven't <laughs> filed taxes in 2020 yet too so or for 2020 yeah to me <laughs> yeah i think yeah i think that that's the plan so i think it should should i think the congress Senate are pretty much in agreement when we talk that so so that'll be i mean that's i mean that's the thing i keep seeing people post about is just the money but uh i mean student loan forbearance uh like or Mm. like student loan cancellation i think is very much back burner at this point but he did extend like no interest no payment till through september i think of this year so Mm. okay i don't know and it seems like now he's he's actually going to get vaccines rolling out much faster already starting to see like increases in the number of vaccines per day so i'm guessing these things might be the last extensions for covid stuff before they're like yeah you know everyone's vaccinated whatever yeah no i mean amazon has also all of a sudden decided to like volunteer to help distributing vaccines and stuff so that's a big like powerful entity not mentioning Starbucks. Oh, Starbucks is—I didn't hear about Starbucks distributing the vaccine. 
I think because uh, this big company, especially in the Starbucks, they are very good with the logistics, right? Of like getting like getting things distributed across the U.S., right? So Starbucks is very good with that. And I'm, I don't think they are doing resonate people and, and Starbucks. That would be cool, you know? That would be cool, mm. too, because they have very good customer service, right? So That's right. <laughs> so everybody get a coffee when you get resonated. You know? No, there's better customer service. Yeah. Chick-fil-A. They could do drive-through COVID vaccines. Ah. Chick-fil-A. The owner has come out and said COVID isn't real. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's not going to miss a business opportunity, right? No, that's fair. I... No, no, no. Probably with Chick-fil-A, they close on Sundays, so. No, no, no. Eh, six days a week, still a lot. And then who who wouldn't buy a chicken sandwich while you're getting vaccinated? Like, you know, it's right there. Easy money. <laughs> oh, I, I agree. I mean, every business. But, I mean, I, I at this point, I feel like is the, uh, I mean, the limiting factor really has to be the storage and, like, I mean, I, I feel like, and the, just the number of vaccines, right? Yeah, I think mostly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we ran out of vaccines, right? Yeah. I mean, I know there were a bunch wasted in, like, the initial batch. And, there, and then, like, places that were distributing them asked for more. And I think there weren't more. So, mm. I mean, I think, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. He wants, sure you know, been producing them as fast as possible for, you know, the last several months. So there will yeah. be more. I don't know yeah. how long, but. No, I mean, I think, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully if like fall will be for like Labor Day, things can be somewhat normal. Mm. All right. So talking about best. I, I guess that's it. Let's get into science, I guess. So it's time to talk about gene editing. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, Mike, take it away. Bye. Well, so we were talking about CRISPR. So I tried to dig in to sort of like the mechanisms by which CRISPR worked a little bit. Mm. So I guess CRISPR or sort of gene editing via CRISPR is sort of based on what like what CRISPR's true purpose is, mm. which is as uh, essentially an immune uh, like pseudo immune system for bacteria. So bacterial cells, uh, relatively simple, but they can still be infected by viruses, and you know the viruses want to re- replicate. So as a means of doing this. Uh, or so as a means of like protection um, from being hijacked from viruses, they have basically, uh, I guess, these interesting pieces of DNA that are like they have uh, they have repeated segments in that DNA, and then they uh, and then they have like in between those repeated segments, they have what are like they are referred to as spacers. And spacers, uh, through various studies, they've found that these spacers match, like, the viral DNA, like, pretty much exactly. Hmm. So, um, so basically, uh, there's proteins called, like, Cas proteins. So, and that's, like, CRISPR-associated proteins. And Cas proteins... are actually going to, like, essentially, un- uh, well, essentially, like, when genetic material is, like, inserted into the cell, 
uh, these cast proteins like locate a, like a very short sequence on li- like the new genetic material and will essentially unzip the D like, or like cut the DNA there. And so, so there's sort of a three piece mechanism like the cast protein, which is connected to like this, uh, this matching genetic material uh, via a different like RNA sequence. Like, so, so yeah. Is that different between, I, I know the Cas9, right? It's Cas9. Yes. It, it, what does it stand for? Cas9, do you know what it stands for? CRISPR associated. Oh, okay. So is, is anything different between enzyme and protein or on anything? Well, I think enzymes are a type of protein, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, well, I think enzymes specifically like carry out like chemical reactions. So it's like, mm. oh, oh, like, so, that, so that's why it's not a scissor, right? Right, 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 right. So, so ca- you can carry out chemical reactions. Right. So yeah. essentially, like, uh, so in bacteria, like uh, an RNA is created that like binds to the Cas9. And then, like, a guide RNA or, like, CRISPR RNA is created that, like, binds to that and will – so when Cas9 unzips the DNA um, at, like, the location of what's called, like, a PAM sequence, which is, like, uh, something – oh, God, I can't remember what it stands for. But it's something – like, it's, like, essentially, like, a three-letter sequence following, like, what's uh, what's included in the uh, – uh, what's included in the bacterial DNA, like the CRISPR bacterial DNA. Mm-hmm. And uh, so basically like when the virus comes in, PAM locates, uh, or Cas locates this PAM sequence. It unzips the DNA and then there the uh, RNA, that's like the guide RNA will bind to it. If uh, will bind to the virus, if this is like a, s- a virus that's been seen before to so essentially- how do you know which location of uh, DNA to, to zip, to cut? Well, that's exactly. So, okay. So the CAS, so this protein will essentially unzip where there's like three letter sequences, right? Yeah, but do you know, how, but how, how do you know? There's so many, uh, I'm saying location of DNA right now. Which, how do you know to go to the right, correct one? Okay. So in the case of bacteria, um, so in the case of bacteria, the, um, the, the sequence that Cas9 um, actually identified is not included in the, like the, is not included in the bacteria's like genome mm-hmm. or it's not included in like the bacteria's, yeah, the DNA in the, ba- that bacterial cell. So it's it, it knows if it's seeing that three DNA sequence, it's all, it knows it's cutting a foreign DNA, and then like for the like essentially for the uh, viral DNA to actually be like cut or you know like uh, or for it to be taken out essentially, it you need the um, guide RNA, so the complementary bases. Uh to match so like that's a much longer sequence that's Mm -hmm. so if they don't match then essentially 
what you'd get is the like the cut DNA would be or the unzipped DNA would allow it to be freely rotate, which in theory could allow it to like bind back together, right? Uh, so okay. so so it's uh, it's essentially like the binding that happens uh, is very fast. Um, and uh, so, so, they, so they make a specific RNA that's able to find a correct, basically can go to the, go to the specific location that you desire. Right. So, so in, um, gene editing, so basically the gene editing has a cast, like a cast nine protein. Usually, I mean, there's complexities that we're just not going to get into, but like there's a cast nine protein. Yeah. It, it, um, it, basically is bound to a single RNA molecule that yeah. takes the place of two different molecules in um, the g- genome of bacteria. And basically that guide um, RNA is just like the complementary bases to the uh, DNA you want to alter. So yeah. basically Cas9 goes in and it, it the Cas9 you choose, so the protein you choose needs to be specially chosen because each type of protein, like it identifies like different short sequences. So you need to pick a protein that will identify the short sequence that immediately follows what you're trying to edit. Mm-hmm. And so, and basically, it'll identify that short sequence, unzip the DNA, then that like the freely free rot- rotating um, like like the half half of the DNA helix will, if you're in the right place, will bind to the uh, guide RNA. And mm. that will cause the reaction to us. Uh, like that will essentially like disable it or, you know, do whatever, or like essentially replace the, you know, the second half of the DNA helix that's no longer attached. So. Okay. So, so the, the, Cas9 molecule will basically potentially go through your DNA unzip at multiple locations, wherever this three protein sequence is, or sorry, whatever, three letter sequence, but only when it's at the right one, will it's the RNA that's attached with it kind of bind to the DNA when it's unzipped. So everything else, it will kind of unzip and it'll just kind of rotate around and then end up rezipping on its own as it goes on. Right. Is that correct? That is my understanding. Yes. So basically, um, uh, yeah. So basically that is why they talk about, um, so this, like, they basically say it's very important to get like the comp, uh, like the guide RNA. So this complementary thing, like it will work if it's not perfect. Like they say, it's like, it doesn't need to be like perfectly aligned with the sequence you're shooting for Like, but it's got to be close. Otherwise the, like it will not like, I guess because there must be enough force to the rotation or something where it needs to be very close in order to like fully bind. So, mm-hmm. so I'm imagining, so we know DNA is this double helix, right? So you, right. you unzip it, you you know, the, the things that were connected, you know, rotate around, get bound to an RNA, but that's still like all in your DNA, like the longer DNA strand, it's just got this little section with an RNA binding to one half. Uh, that is the picture that I've seen. Yeah. So like that disables genes, right? But that wouldn't, does that give you the ability to like make, add a new gene that makes something, you know, to make a new protein to do something? So, well, I mean, so I get, well, you're, you've only unzipped a little bit, right? So wouldn't yeah. it essentially be, um, so I have some actually I have some stupid questions right now because I think we're talking about protein DNA and gene stuff. 
I, I actually don't really know the difference between <laughs> what's a gene and what's the DNA and then like protein. Can you maybe give me a, a little bit quick, just like, what's the difference between gene and DNA? So DNA is like the, the DNA is like kind of the whole thing or the concept, right? So you know how you've seen the double helix pictures yeah. in like biology books. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. like all your chromosomes are your DNA. Hmm. Um, you know, it's the whole thing. A gene is like a section of your DNA that does something specific. Is that hmm. right, Michael? Yeah. So that's, so that's, I guess, so you're replacing a single gene with this process, right? So, okay. so gene is a small section of your, like, you can think of it as a tiny section of your, you know, double helix structure. Uh, yeah, yeah, so what, yeah. What's a chromosome? So a chromosome. Your DNA is an... Your DNA is in like clumps. So you have like each chromosome is like a literally physical clump that's of DNA. Hmm. Um, that's like a large structure. And we have like, how many? We have 23. Humans have 23 chromosomes. Oh, yeah. So there's like, but the 23 chromosomes, they're not attached to each other in any way. They just, you have each of these chromosomes in your cells. Hmm. So you can think of them like each like a bundle of DNA independently, you know, just wrapped up to get that's in their right. own little things oh okay and and they are inside a cell did you say that um, yeah in the cell nucleus ah and what's not what about protein then i mean proteins are just a very general category of molecule and it's the main thing dna makes so mm. when your body uses dna to make proteins so they are basically dna is like the instructions on how to make proteins mm. and then the proteins do things in your body like build cells and you know almost everything else Ah, so DNA generate, create these proteins, and then these proteins gonna do whatever they do, basically. Yeah. Yes. Ah. Okay. Nice. Thank you for the basic lesson. <laughs> okay, so let's go back, Mike. You yeah. say it replaces that section, but you 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 unzip a section of your DNA. You right. bind it to the complementary RNA, right? Yeah. That's no. That's not new, right? That's the same DNA. RNA pairs you had before. Um, so where's like a new gene go then? R right. So, um, well, I mean, I guess, so I guess you cle. Uh, so I mean, so this is essentially cutting, right? So, mm -hmm. so essentially replacing. So I guess the, you would potentially provide new. So in order to edit it, you could provide new genetic material in the delivery package, right? I mean, I think that would be a potential way to carry that out. Um, what I see is that someone says that it's like, so you, the enzyme, the Cas9 enzyme bind to the sequence and then basically deletes it, right? And then you basically replace it using some kind of benign virus that's engineered to deliver and insert the correct DNA, right? So, it's a, so you, you, I guess the RNA and Cas9 is doing a deletion Right, and then you have a, you know you have another virus that is doing the insertion of a, whatever the gene you want to edit. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, and I, I mean also you can so you can use Cas9 like you can use a I guess a similar approach right to like once the Cas9 unzips and there's some type of deletion like you could use Cas the same protein to essentially like attach to essentially like fill in the gap right mm -hmm. yeah so i mean so the cast i would then on 
could essentially like identify the sequence that the previous protein did on the like what uh, like whatever side of the DNA is now free, and then buy and then uh, attach the complement, right? So or attach or attach the genes you would want. Or, or I guess, you know, I, I guess, yeah, you could just, in, uh, like, send in a vector that has the new genetic, uh, genetic material, like, the, uh, the correct gene and that. Because, as I say, there is, um, oh, that's right. What am I talking about? No, 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 no. Like, as I talked to, no, uh, no, I guess, <laughs> yeah, no, as I talk, I don't know what I'm talking about. But as I talked about last week, when DNA is cut, there's like a, it, essentially the body or like there's a process of like automated repair. Like that's, I guess, so you have, so she was asking about chromosomes and you have two chromosomes from each parent. And I mean, the, I guess the question would be sort of why, right? And I mean, uh, there's the answer in addition to like, I mean, I guess because that's, I guess the way reproduction may have come about is is because it's useful to have a pair because when DNA is damaged, mm. uh, there's sort of a backup, right? Like, so even, I mean, this is a poor example, but like if, uh, well, blood cell, right? Like if a blood cell's DNA is damaged, you have essentially the instructions from one parent damage, but the uh, instructions from the other parents like are still intact. So uh, basically there's a process by which genetic material from one is used to repair the genetic material from the other. So when this, I guess, sort of unwinding or cutting happens from the Cas9 in, uh, from the Cas9 and the, uh, CRISPR RNA or the guide RNA. Uh, basically, if you af- provide genetic material that's like a like a healthy replacement, uh, I, I can't remember what the name of the process is called, but it was in the book. Where essentially, like they will uptake this uh, like genetic material that's present and replace the gene with that healthy like with that healthy material. Hmm. So. Wasn't a book you're referring to? So the book is, I want to get the name right. So it is Cracking the Code, I believe. A Cracking Creation? A Cracking Creation. Gene editing and the unthinkable power to control evolution. Yes, that's the one. Yeah, and the authors, I believe, just won, like, the Nobel Prize in Chemistry. So, like, in 2020. So Yeah, for her, basically, her discovery of no casper nine cast nine yeah right right yeah so yeah i mean her work was on like the role rna played in like immune response i guess so this mm-hmm. was like so she was excited to like uh, i guess another professor had approached her being like um have you ever heard of crispr and she hadn't and but she like dis- like this professor talked about like how a very early on area of research was occurring that like pointed to like CRISPR RNA being like part of an, a bacteria's like immune response. So that's like what drew her to this area. And mm. it sort of I went think. from there. So, so is it, so what was no, 
did she what's, what did she talk about like, regarding the ethical issues of the gene editing like Right. Well, I mean, there's always the question of like, I mean, so I mean, I think in gene editing, there's a lot of the same questions that arise when people talk about like, what could occur in robotics, right? Like, I mean, there are like exoskeletons already that provide like restore. So there's like a a discussion on restorative versus like enhancement uses, right? So restorative being someone loses a limb, Right, like a veteran, someone like that in war loses a limb, someone who's born without a limb, uh, we can potentially provide an exoskeleton to replace that limb. And if you, if we're able to attach it to nerves and they go through therapy, they could walk uh, so, to what would be considered like a standard level. You're talking uh, about robotics. Yes, in robotics. Yeah, so I, so the, similarly, like it, with gene editing, right? Someone is born with some type type of genetic disorder that yeah. you know causes uh, cognitive impairments or any number of other types of impairment. I mean, there's blood disorders. There's uh, the potential for like uh, genes. Like people can be born with mutations in genes that predispose them to cancer or Alzheimer's disease. Like they've identified genes you know, and gene mutations that skew. Uh, like the likelihood of people having these different things, right? Mm. So the idea would be like, so to restore is to essentially fix the mutation. So do what, we, so do what we've sort of been trying to talk about poorly, um, which is basically just like, you know, uh, delete the mutation and replace it with something that, uh, that creates the proteins, proteins in a way that aren't going to uh, predispose you to these things. Or, you know, or uh, delete it and uh, fix the mutation that is causing the, these different issues. That's creating like an, essentially an incorrect protein or creating something that's harmful to you or not creating something that you need. So mm. so that's sort of restorative, like, the you know, replacing the missing limb or cor- correcting a mutation that we found to be potentially hazardous. You can replace a missing limb with gene editing? Well, no. I, no, 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 no. I'm saying robotics. So I'm saying because that's where what we're used to discussing. So, so those would be like restorative purposes, right? So, like you fix the mute, you fix the mute. Editing uh, and robotic just, I guess, confuse me a little. Okay. Well. Okay. So fine. You fix the gene mutation that has been shown to be harmful. So that's restorative. Hmm. I mean, enhancement is you could make. Yeah, like, uh, particularly if, uh, like, someone is, uh, like, in utero, like, it's a baby who's growing and, um, like, uh, like, at the very beginnings of their existence, um, mm. you could alter the DNA to make them, like, we could identify genes associated with, like, intelligence. We could identify genes associated with, like, uh, health and, you know, aging. And we could alter those genes in the, or we could identify genes even like uh, associated with beauty, right? So like we want this baby to have like super metabolism so it's skinny no matter what it eats, uh, have blue eyes, brown hair, or blonde hair, or whatever. And Mike uh, just says his own why? eye color and hair for beauty. <laughs> why, why, why did you mention blue eyes? What's wrong with brown eyes? Because wow. Mike has blue eyes and he's proud. 
Well, I'm just go- so okay. The ba- if you want a baby with brown eyes, that's the why thing, right? So why 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 did you why did you first came to the night when you first say oh design a baby? Why did you come right away? You say brown hair, blue eyes, white skin. You know what? Why, I didn't why, say why anything. Did you, why did you came to the <laughs> All right. Well, I, the first thing I think I said was intelligence, and the second thing was health. But yes, I. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, I guess because literally this ethical question is often uh, described as creating designer babies. Hmm. So it's it's uh, what the design industry would might push if it. So what's what's the ethical problem here? Yeah. Uh, uh, basically, disparity. Often, what it comes down to is disparity um, between wealthy and non-wealthy like most things so basically wealthy people can have stronger smarter like quote-unquote better babies and better or or and make themselves healthier you know i mean obviously if you're editing the genome of like uh, editing your genome you can maybe fix problems that other people couldn't fix or give yourself like hell like give yourself an edge over people who can't afford these type of treatments yeah, but it's in the case already. I mean, rich people have more Medicare, right? So they live yeah. longer, live better lives. So it's, this is the case already, right? Better quality food. Their kids yeah. get private tutors, better schools. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm concerned here that we're all going to be in basically agreement that, uh, you know, like I, I've, I'm aware that it's a concern some people have, but it's not real. I don't know. Is it a real issue? Like, yeah, rich people will get it first. Uh, and like all other technology, it will spread out until, you know, the masses can use it yeah, as it gets cheaper and more available. And then, you know, everyone's healthier and better. No, I mean, I basically agree. I mean, but it's it's once again the uh, so like so I mean, I again go back to robotics. So in robotics, we have like these restorative things that uh, like limbs that essentially like if your limb is missing, we can replace it with a different limb and you can walk and live sort of quote unquote a normal life. But okay. So what now if we have like an exoskeletons that gives you super strength, like should we restrict? So essentially the debate uh, we have in one of the classes I TA'd at Georgia tech, like one of the debates was like, should we have an exoskeleton and restrict it to where you can only lift what's typical for people, you know, your age and, you know, whatever. So uh, as opposed to like, basically, hey, your family is worth a hundred million. Like you can just, you know, throw cars at people if you're upset. And, you know, <laughs> if you're poor, like you can't afford an exoskeleton so you can just hit the gym more. So, so how did you... So how did you think about that in your you know, ethics, ro- ro- robot ethics class? How did you guys talk about it? How did you guys think about it? Did you come up with a resolution and the answer? Well, I mean, that's the thing. I don't know that there is like a simple, so I guess it's depending on the ethical framework you want to use and like how you make do the analysis to come to that conclusion, right? I mean, because if it's like more like, deontology then you may lean in the direction that there should be some types of restrictions here or like some type like you need a cons- what, what are the ethical frameworks and what is deontology well okay so, ones, well yeah well i mean it's like i mean I, the big two are sort of like the two we used like most consistently were like utilitarianism which yeah. is basically like 
you consider all stakeholders like in a problem. So like all the people that the decision is going to affect. And then you say, like, basically you find some way of quantifying how, like, so there's some number put to like the utility of the decision. So whether it like, so for each stakeholder, so it's like, if you had, were going to put out a product as a company, your stakeholders would be the customers, uh, those influ or those affected by the use of the product, uh, the board of, you know, the board of the company, the employees of the company, all those different people. And say like the product, like say, you know, it's something like junk food, right? Or something like that. Mm. So the net, like, so there, there may be like a net negative for the user, right? Because it's like very brief enjoyment and like, but it, like the net so negative is utilitarian basically is greater good, right? If it's always it's greater good, yes, it's then... greater good. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. So basically, you make the decision in one way, the way where it's a positive value, and you uh, don't make it in the decision that's a negative. Or a certain majority of people, right. yeah. Right, right, right. Way, so, yeah. so basically, it's a weighted sum. If the sum is positive, you do it. If it's negative, you don't. So, okay. um, and uh, yeah, deontology is more about considering the like considering people as individuals and sort of the guiding principle of deontology is like people should never be used as a means to an end Mm. people should be essentially treated as ends in themselves okay so uh so for example like deontology was would say you shouldn't lie because if everyone lied then like that would be a like a bad thing Mm. so uh so basically like you shouldn't lie to people because that because you know not everyone should lie and therefore you know you're making different rules for different peoples essentially so So is is deontology similar to virtual ethics like you should be good for good sake it's not because you should be good because the consequence is good maybe I'm not, I, I, I guess maybe I don't know enough about virtue ethics to like clearly oh. differentiate them, but it sounds gotcha, gotcha. similar. Mm. Mm. So in any case, so in any case, like often these discussions are like, there isn't necessarily like a clear, like, this is the right thing to do, right? It's more just, I mean, again, it's sort of like the types of discussions you have in politics. It's like people can argue, oh, well, if you raise taxes on the top 1%, like we're going to be able to do like afford more services for the majority of people. Right. But, or like what we were talking about last time, if we allow science and technology to advance, it's going to be beneficial for the, like in the long term for the most number of people. Um, But there are people who are losing their jobs during with innovation who are going to argue against it because they're like, you're hurting this group of people and there, or, you know, the 1% is going to say like, Oh, well, you know, we uh, like, we're not going to have the money to invest in innovation and, you know, trickle down type argument. Right. So, I mean, I think there's. So you're basically saying there's no really clear answers to these kind of questions. Sure. I mean, I, and I won't say like, I mean, maybe, uh, 
you know, as time passes, the answer becomes clearer and clearer. For example, like if we're like, oh, we're going to go for it, like, like essentially if we take the route, we probably, we may largely agree on, which is like, okay, like this technology is coming. This technology is going to be hugely beneficial for the, like for society, like let it just go with essentially no restrictions. And then a hundred years from now, there's essentially superhumans and like, you know, like, I mean, essentially like humans are a secondary class of people. And then there's like a couple thousand superhumans that are essentially their gods. Mm-hmm. Then maybe, uh, then maybe humanity would look at that future scenario and say, well, that's, that's no good. Right. Because like there are billions of essentially like, people who are now secondary class citizens and only a couple of thousand who are gods. But uh, if we look forward and we see like, oh, like class disparity is no worse than it is now. And basically uh, we don't have things like, you know, Alzheimer's is far, far, you know, less of a risk and people are living to be 150 150 now on average i mean i think everyone would sort of say like yeah we should go for it so okay so besides uh you, you talk about the one issue designer babies right and it's a you know ethical issue regarding that what other ethical issues are there besides that well i mean i think what it all boils down to is just uh, i mean well i mean of course i i don't even necessarily consider it as much but um sort of like the quasi-religious um, or pseudo-religious one, like, should we be playing God? Um, like, if like as we change this, like, how, like what types of questions does that raise about our humanity? Um, mm. Things like that. I, thought- ba- I was going to say, with babies, the questions become a little more, I would say, reasonable. Like, because if you're just gene editing yourself, it's, I don't know, it's going to, I feel like you you got a big hill to climb to say that's wrong, right? right? But there are people who are like, I mean, obviously parents have a huge amount of influence and control over their kids, how they grow up and their lives. But there are people who, you know, say there should be limits, right? You're not supposed to, you know, you, you're not supposed to do certain things to children. You know, it's still their body. You should let them grow up and make these decisions for themselves. Um, you know, I've heard that with regards to like piercings or circumcision or other stuff like that. So, I mean, I could see people making the argument that gene editing your child or, you know, even if it's like at the embryo level, right? Like it's like kind of like before they exist, like you make them, but I don't know. I could see people making an argument that's like some sort of improper control, but I mean, but the flip side's really just like random, right? It's like you're controlling something rather than just being arbitrarily random, which, you know, when you look at what the other side is, it's like this, there doesn't seem to be a clear, like, route no, to this being bad yeah well no well the main i think the main concern i have heard is something called gene drive so basically you you design for example you design your baby right you have a gene mm-hmm. that means the, the, the problem with designing that uh, you basically the gene gonna be whatever you edit it can pass down to generations right so you basically you don't know what's the consequence of that right so um so if you design something and then you just pay, because it can potentially populate, like propagate through the future generations, through uh, many, many generations, uh, through spread to many other people, right? Uh, 
And then the danger of that is if, if whatever you, you maybe something you change, you thought it was good idea, but you don't know the consequence of that and the consequence of that consequence. And then the yeah, other consequence of that consequence, consequence, right? So, yeah, so but once you it down and you don't know what's the effect on the whole human race, right? You're actually changing the human race in a way, right? Because the DNA propagates, right? Yeah, but like, I mean, you could also have a recessive gene for some disease that you spread to your child and it spreads. And I mean, that's how a lot of the diseases, you know, get passed around that exist, right? Um, and I mean, you say like, it's not like this is something you figure out in one generation, right? Like if some if a gene causes a problem, unless it's recessive, I guess, um, I assume if you're editing it, it's either going to be dominant or you'd have both genes be edited, right? So like to make the impact known. So going with that assumption, like you would know the next generation, like you'd see what the impact of the gene was and know what they're like, oh shit, like something bad has happened that we didn't realize or not. Um, and since this isn't like a universal thing, like you'd have some, yeah, some people using it, we'd figure out the long-term effects over their lifetime and then we'd kind of know. And then if it, you know, if it turns out good, probably become more common. If there's an issue, people would stop doing it. Mm-hmm. But like, hear- like I said, a b- big part of this is like you're controlling versus random, but like you could always have some random gene that fucks you up too, right? So, and you don't know when, if you have a kid, they might get, you know, unfortunate genes that cause all sorts of problems. I mean, that happens every day, right? Right. I mean, there are mutations. Now. Happens every day. <laughs> there are people born every day with like serious genetic diseases, uh, and, you know, that impacts their life tremendously and or just kills them. So. Right. Yeah, but and, these people, if they have disease, they basically, they won't pass it down, right? Because sometimes they usually die early, right? So Sometimes. Depends yeah. on the disease. Mm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but I mean, the same thing, right? Like if it's a very serious, like if the, if the, you, if you edit, use some new gene, right? Like some gene edit thing that causes a major problem. I mean, the problem, you're right. They're probably, if they're really seriously impacted from it, they're not going to, probably won't have kids in the first place. They might be super sickly. They might just die. They'll probably at least be aware that it's an issue and maybe not just try to have biological kids. Like, mm-hmm. I don't see how you have a DNA that somehow, like, doesn't do anything for several generations and then, like, suddenly, like, pops out and it's like, surprise, everyone who has this gene just got activated. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, sorry. I was just because uh, I wanted to. I wanted to be sure we were answering Matt's question with more than speculation. Okay. So I. So we can go back to the ethical discussion in a minute. But I was curious. So yeah. So CRISPR cleaves the double. Yeah. So it cleaves the double stranded DNA. And you say the, cleave. Do you mean like a cross or like you mean split them? Right. Right. So it splits the DNA. So. Um, so it splits the DNA and leaves that like that gene damaged, right? Okay. So basically repair can happen in one of two ways. Uh, so enzymes will essentially stitch like the dangling ends of the DNA back together uh, where the, I guess, where the break took place. Mm-hmm. Or it will, um, so which can result in uh, dysfunction, uh, some type of dysfunction on its own, or um, let's say so. Alternatively, the other enzymes can patch the break with a single strand of DNA that matches the D- DNA sequence upstream, upstream, and downstream of the cut. And I guess 
a, a complementary DNA strand that is created to complete the double strand. So like where the, I, I guess, so, uh, yeah. So essentially like if the cut is, if the DNA is, if the gene is missing here, like you can essentially like just try to meld it together or you can like create something to complete that and something to complete that. And I guess that in the case, so if you provide genetic material with like your cutting package, then that can successfully create or successfully like replace the gene that was sort of taken out. So, but I mean, this is an, I should say, this is like an article from silence science daily from like 2019. And it's basically saying like, like the science behind like repairing, like getting the right repair and not sort of messing things up is still, I mean, obviously we don't have like. Still no, not mature yet. Right, exactly. It's still not a mature science yet, so that's why. Like, so there's still a lot of questions about how to like, like this is uh, CRISPR is revolutionary and how precise it can be in the deletion, but in actually getting like the repair part right, it's still not fully matured. Mm. So, um, you, yeah. You just okay. gotta. Has anyone thought about just making a new chromosome and just sticking it in? Well, Think about that. Nobel Prize, here I come. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you get another PhD in chemistry. <laughs> Next on my list. Yeah. yeah. So that's 40-year-old just... Matthew O'Brien in his <laughs> post-talk. So, yeah, no. I, so, and anyway, yeah. So, I mean, basically, uh, I guess we still have a few more years before this is uh, it's, it's similar to robotics, which has all these discussions, but... As they say, it's now time to have these discussions before the technology is just here. So, so going back to Matt's idea of chromosome, I don't mm-hmm. get it. Why? Why is it significant? Well, the difference with that is uh, rather than trying to insert the gene into the middle of the DNA strand of another chromosome, you just mm-hmm. kind of have a new chromosome floating around that you made. So you don't have to put it into, like, you don't have to mix it with other DNA, right? If you could get that into the cell nucleus, and I don't know of any reason, like, I mean, I assume once you have a chromosome there, your body just treats it like all the other chromosomes, right? Mm. Um, So I assume that way you could, like, make the DNA you want and then just have it floating around in the cell nucleus, making proteins and whatnot. But, then, but again, I, I'm not a biologist. We really should get one on this show right, and right, talk right, about no, stuff like this. That is fair. Um but I guess also that, like, I mean, essentially that takes the parent out of it, though, right? So, like, I mean, I guess depending on, so if you're, if it's the DNA, like, specific to, like, a certain, like, area of the body, I guess that would be good. But, I mean, I, or, like, I mean, I, I, I guess if you, if like, if this is a baby, <laughs> who is like a like relatively early in development and you essentially are like inserting a chromosome like you immediately see like oh this you know the, the chromosome has this mutation in it like that would essentially and you just stick in a chromosome i mean i guess well, i mean i guess it would only be essentially 123rd of the parent that's coming out but <laughs> Well, I'm not saying you replace the like the old chromosome, right? Just a 24th one, but one that's designed to be 
do specific things, right? So like what I guess the thought was CRISPR is good at deleting genes, right? right. So you're given an embryo, 23 chromosomes, lots of DNA. And you say, oh, look, these like 19 genes are all fucked up and going to cause diseases and problems, limitations, whatever. So you send in CRISPR, delete them all. You don't bother adding thing, anything in because it's hard to insert the right DNA in the right spot and all that stuff. Then you just have your 24th chromosome, like a software patch that just put it in. And every cell will now have this 24th chromosome that has just the genes you need. So it's got the replacement for the ones you deleted. And then maybe a few other genes that give you some nice things like, oh, this, these two genes really make you almost immune to cancer because, you know, blah, blah, blah. It causes cancer cells to kill themselves way better. Right. You know, add that patch in, you know. Now we are 24 chromosome beings and, you know, whatever. Donate. I just heard something that remind, remind me. What you say just remind me of something I heard recently. It's like, I think there's a baby somewhere that was born with like three people's DNA. Now, I think one, one lady and then there's two guys' DNA. I don't know how they did it. I think that something was missing from the parents and then they just get something from the other person. Well, that's right. just like the ribosome DNA or whatever. I, th- oh, I think. Oh, the mitochondrial. Oh, mitochondrial like DNA. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Is it, is it, is it similar to your idea, Matt? Oh no. Uh, you know, not in the specifics, but in the broad sense. Well, mitochondria. Do you know what mitochondria are? I know. Is uh not really. Go ahead. they mitochondria are little organelles of the cell, like an organ of the cell that mm. kind of makes the energy ATP, mm. um, but they have their own DNA. So, mm. um, so it's kind of like a, an extra, so, so you get, you know, a chromosome from each parent. So that's normally why you have like, you know, you have two people's DNA, yeah. but if it, normally you get the mitochondria of your mom, mm. but they replace it. Now you have the mitochondria and it's DNA from another person. That's kind of mm. like a third person's DNA. But I mean, it's kind of similar in the sense that here's like a clump of DNA that can do something, but it's not like, it's not part of the other DNA that's doing other things. It's just, you know, separate. Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, oh, go ahead. Show, sorry. I was going to talk, I, w- I was going to talk about some uh, CRISPR babies in China. So, I mean, I think before we move there, I think you can say whatever you want to say. Well, I was just going to ask Matt, like, I mean, because we know, like, Down syndrome is caused by, like, a, a partial or full extra copy of, like, the 21st chromosome. So I'm just wondering if. Well, yeah, but that's an accidental thing, right? Similarly, we we already know, like, if you delete an important, like, if an important gene gets deleted or mutated away on, on accident, right, it can cause a disease. Mm-hmm. But CRISPR can also fix a disease by deleting a specific gene intentionally, right? Right, right, right. So, I mean, as far as I know, there's no reason fundamentally that an extra chromosome would break the human process. Again, not a biologist. But it makes sense that if you have random DNA extra there, I assume the issues are related to extra proteins being produced. Right, right. Obviously, the chromosome's being used if it causes any changes. So I assume it's meaning more of this stuff's being produced and that unbalances something and causes other issues downstream. I probably should be Googling this because I'm really just speculating here, but the, I, I feel like it's pretty clear that if you did it intentionally with the right genes, it probably wouldn't cause problems. 
Right. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, that does make I sense. Just want to, I, I, I just want to, want to say that I think speculation is the first step to, the, you know, science. That's <laughs> true. We it just got to be clear about what we're, we actually have expertise in and what we don't. Right now. I mean, I have no expertise in this, but I, I, I find it very, like, I, I, I mean, I want to learn more because now I'm thinking, like, wondering, because I know very little about going from DNA to RNA. So I wonder if, like, the transcription process, like, would require some type of ordering or, like, I want to know what the uh, script that the body uses to convert, uh, like, if the script is overly hard-coded or not. Because, <laughs> mm. like, the posi- if the positioning of the genes makes a difference or not. I mean, yeah. I don't know. So. Like, you know, maybe, because maybe, like, you need the, you want some genes to be, like, all ran together, right? So you put them in place, and every time they're copied, they're copied up all at once, and that kind of keeps things, certain things balanced. I could see something like that being a thing. Uh, yeah. but you know, it's a lot of speculation for yeah. a lot of these questions might not be known period. Right. Like right. obviously humanity in general has not mastered gene editing, but right, right, right. But well, no, yeah. I mean, it's, Oh God. Sure. I was going to say, that remind me of another ethical issue issue is the, I mean, people could use it. I could use it for like, a, as a bio weapon, right. Instead of like, could be in the future of atomic weapon, basically. And that's one of the mass. Actually, I think recently, I think in the book, he actually, she actually mentioned that gene editing CRISPR had been like, classified as one of the uh, weapons of mass destruction, right? Potential in the future, right? Like one of the four, right? One, the nuclear weapon, the other one, one of them actually is CRISPR, right? I guess. If... Well, I, I mean, I guess for, I'm trying to think. I mean, I, I know CRISPR... I mean, where this has made a big difference already, of course, is like agriculture, right? Yeah. Like, because it's like you're making healthier food, like GMOs, like they're bad, you know, they're bad. Uh, So, uh, you know, so I mean, healthier crops, like crops able to grow in different environments. I mean, so maybe, like, I'm trying to figure out how they're thinking of it being used as a weapon, like maybe modifying. No, you can, if you know. Yeah, you can modify something. I, I'm not sure. It's, it's somehow you can target it. You can target the whole population of people, right? With something specific, engineer something, virus, I guess. I don't know. Like target something. Right? Well, I suppose that's true. Oh, uh, yeah. Weapon, right. right. Then, no, that, that's true. Make us essential. Well, that, I guess, must be it. So it's, yeah, it's just a virus. Like, yeah, make a virus reasons, that's. I know one of the reasons because, like, uh, so gene editing, like cloning, right, is very hard to do because it's very so expensive. So that's why even though we all know cloning human is illegal, you know, mm-hmm. and nobody, there's no like mass scientist try to do it, right, because it's super expensive, right? Maybe someone's doing it right now. Mm-hmm. But still. China's definitely not trying to clone people, wink, wink. <laughs> Possibly. Um, so, um, and so the reason, one reason about CRISPR is so cheap. Uh, very easy to do actually this mm-hmm. is one of the major issues right you can actually like probably you and us probably can just buy a kit like for like a hundred like cost a like, hundred like twenty uh, less than a hundred dollars right. you can start doing actually CRISPR gene editing yourself yeah I was actually looking at it I'm like so, oh this might be something I want to do in my spare time okay okay hold on so you could but like how would you make like even if you knew the gene you wanted to let's say delete 
Like, how would you make, like, if I was like, oh, I really want to delete this gene, how would I make the complementary RNA piece that I would put into the CRISPR to, like, how would you make the RNA? I had no idea, but I'm just saying, the, the tool is right there. It's only I'm not sure it's quite dollars. that easy, but you, yeah. I, I get your general point. The technology is very easy to use. It's only less than $100, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it may, like, there may be, la- like, as you say, there are kits and there may be even be places that have, like, synthesized, like, so, I mean, obviously it requires probably, like, a ton of money and time to, like, understand each thing, but I guess once they do, like, the synthesis process must be pretty easy, so. Yeah. Look, so- all I want to say is, I'm not saying it's cheap to clone a human, but we've cloned enough other mammals that are basically no more complicated or you know different than humans on like yeah. on a fundamental like what makes something hard to clone or not level there's probably already cloned humans i'm just saying <laughs> i'd be surprised if no government has ever done it and just like either killed them or just kind of like let them go live at an orphanage and not tell anyone <laughs> yeah. yeah well yeah yeah I, I guess i can i can see that conspiracy theory uh, uh going somewhere but uh, yeah, uh, another, the main point is it's more expensive. Cloning is more expensive. Not like regular people can buy something for less than a hundred dollars and clone yourself, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, it'll... Well, also, since you mentioned in China, I guess we need to talk about the China CRISPR baby. Have you? I think a few years ago you you heard about the Chinese uh, scientists like edited the embryo, right, and it resulted in like three babies. But were they actually brought to like were they actually living or did they just yeah. edit it in? Yeah, they they no three people are actually alive right now. Like a uh. couple of years ago, like few I think three four years ago, maybe around seventeen two thousand seventeen, mm-hmm. right? Um, these Chinese scientists basically the parent has HIV, right? So these parents want to have children, right? So they he basically what he did he edited in a gene mm-hmm. such that the baby are immune to HIV, to AIDS. Uh. So yeah, no, no. So those actually uh, baby were born, right? Mm-hmm. And then actually, the, the scientist is. I mean, of course, when the when the scientists publish the the results, right? The, the data and the result, whatever, and conference, you know, it get like condemnation from all over the world. Like people just right. like freak out, right? So, and also after after that, he actually got sentenced to three years in prison mm-hmm. uh, in China. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. prison doing work, lab work <laughs> yeah. for the Chinese yeah. government. Yeah, <laughs> they'll be like, "Here's your prison. It's a uh, you know world class biomedical facility." Right. Exactly. You can just never leave. <laughs> yeah. Well. Okay. So uh, another issue, I guess, I want to talk about is uh, mosquitoes. Application of gene editing. Have you guys heard of that? Oh, is there some way we can kill all mosquitoes with gene editing? Yes. Ooh, so basically, that's... what you do is, what you do is you basically uh, engineer something. It's called you you cause one uh, mosquito to be like, infertile, right? So cannot they cannot have babies, right? So once they so they you know they so once that gene got passed down through the whole population, basically you basically kill on a genocide. What do you call that? Uh, cause them to get go extinct, extinct, right? So that's the idea. Yeah, I have heard of that. They so they make these mosquitoes that they can. It's important that they can have children, 
and they're apparently very like sexually attractive you know mm-hmm. hot mosquitoes or whatever so they all made a lot they'll have a lot of kids but their kids are sterile mm-hmm. so then if they made a lot then they'll produce like a big portion of the population will now have um sterile children so suddenly like a large portion of like the mating doesn't produce any offspring it's I a kind I know it's – I think it – hasn't it already been used to, like, cut down on population? But I don't think it would make them extinct just because you're never going to get, like, every mosquito. You're never going to stop every natural mosquito from, like, you know, having babies, eggs, whatever. Yeah, well, I, think they, I think they try it a little bit in uh, when in South America from the Zika virus when it was really crazy. Uh-huh. And I think that's one of the issues that people want to talk about. Like, do you really – want to get rid of the mosquito because well, yes. if you remove all mosquitoes <laughs> what's you, you don't know what's the consequences right even even if something like mosquitoes something that people will agree yeah we should get rid of but we don't know the consequence of that so i've seen I stuff that suggests scientists believe the mosquito is actually not an important part of the ecosystem and you could remove them and it would be okay and i'm gonna trust what i've read because fuck mosquitoes Consequences, Matt and I don't need to go and buy tiki torches and get dirty looks, show. That's the consequence. <laughs> well, what's, what's tiki torch? I, I just took this in a whole different direction. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, um, my. So, um, no, but I, I mean, I think it would work if you put them in enough, if you put the attractive mosquitoes in enough areas. I mean, it would definitely cut down on population, but how do you, how do you ever get them all with that? You know, like there's going to be like simultaneously like cut resources, like hit them on both fronts, right? So like have these like super breeder mosquitoes that like like make the popular like the next generation like make that the boomy uh, baby boomer generation of mosquitoes make it like huge. And then make the resources as limited as possible for them. The resources is like anything with blood. Like, what are you going to do? Wipe out all native animals to get rid of the mosquito population? Well, that's, I mean, I guess. Even if you did this, let's say in Georgia, you know, where where we all were at Georgia Tech, Georgia South has a decent amount of mosquitoes. You know, if there's some place in Texas, some random ass place that they didn't get all them all. They're eventually going to spread again, right? Oy. It's just, there's no way you're going to wipe them all out with this. Because insects are all about, like a few insects can make thousands of eggs, right? It's, yeah. it's a very robust biological species. It's just going to be very difficult. Okay, no, we, mentioning Georgia Tech, I, mean, I just want to say Georgia Tech has not indoors in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Fair enough. <laughs> no one, no. These ideas are our own, and no one endorses any of them. <laughs> yeah, anything we say controversial is not. Judge <laughs> Dead does not approve. <laughs> so, okay. All right. Well, I think we've run the mill on gene editing. Was there anything else we wanted to get to today? I guess. Well, what's our resolution on that? Do we we are we? Deciding that utilitarianism, utilitarianism would say full speed ahead. So next uh, one, I need to go back to Richard Feynman, right? So you guys know Richard Feynman, right? The physicist, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I consider him almost like the modern day, well, I guess he's dead now, but almost like the modern 20th century uh, Benjamin Franklin, because he 
besides physics, he, he does he does art. You know, he study a lot, and then he also you know talk about uh, he very good communicator, right? Teach science to uh, make makes it in a population. So I got a quote from his book actually. So this is a book that actually this is a quote that he actually got it from a, a Chinese uh, proverb. So he says like. Uh, oh, and it's not quote says quote uh, to every man, every to every man is given a key to the gates of heaven. The same key opens the gates of hell. Right. So I think he he kind of talked about this in almost a little bit. We kind of talk. I think because he worked on the Manhattan Project, right? Now Tommy Bonds actually. So I think he kind of think about that in that context as well. And like how like science you discover something right but this is not it's not a key right and how you use the key is like which door you want to open with the key right so the problem is that we don't know which door we open right even though the key the technology is the science the, the key is very useful has values but some how do you use it now you what's uncertain is which door to open right to heaven or to hell right so Anyway, so even, I guess, even people like him, I mean, doesn't really have the right answer answer to these kind of issues anyway, even to atomic weapons, right? So, yeah, so basically, anyway, so that's something that to keep in mind, I guess, that I'd like to share. <laughs> Any thoughts on that? <laughs> on the quote? Uh, I mean, but I, guess, I mean, it's true that... Uh... I mean, I sometimes think about like, I mean, so every man is given the case to heaven. They also open the gates to hell. Like, okay. I guess uh, so. there can sort of be like intel, like, so ignorance is bliss is another saying. And I often think about like, that's coming from a place of like intelligence and like an understanding of like the world around you can sometimes, like, obviously it's beneficial because it enables you to do a, like, you know, it enables you to do a lot it enables you to better interact with people. Um, but it also is, it also can be difficult in the sense of like, you may not want to know certain things. Like you may like, I mean, cause I brought this up to you sort of jokingly show when we were talking about it, like last week when we just talked on the, uh, the phone when Matt's or Matt's internet didn't work. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like I was like, Oh, the more I learn about like, the underlying, like how humans work, because like as Matt said, like CRISPR very much could function like a software patch, and I'm yeah. like, are we living in a simulation show? So, <laughs> so I mean, I guess that understand, like, I guess there's a certain depth that is beneficial, like to understand how things work at a, like, it's beneficial to understand like how to how to eat healthy, right? Because you live a longer, healthier life and can do more. But like at another level, like understanding health and sometimes recognizing the random like perturbations in health that can be detrimental can also be like anxiety inducing. So I guess this is a very long and like poor path to be like, you know, every man is the keys to open heaven or hell or everyone has the keys to open heaven and they also open the gates of hell is sort of like, I, I, I view it as like, well, every man has the potential to learn and to like 
be like grow as a person, but at a certain level, like that can, like you can in a way go over a cliff, right. And become like obsessive or like if you get bogged down in the complexities of the world universe, whatever, like it can send you over a cliff. Um, the more you do yeah. it. And that's why you need to keep it simple. That's right. <laughs> well, I like this quote is just a more elegant version of guns don't kill people. People kill people. Mm. Same thing, right? <laughs> that's pretty deep. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Are you a gun nut? <laughs> I mean, I'm not on the gun own a gun so i don't think i'd qualify but mm. shu knows that me and mike are generally pro second amendment <laughs> yeah yeah actually yeah and then that's a that's a good i think maybe you should uh use this quote you know uh what do you call that uh call an rna say hey you should use this quote as a uh excuse to have guns right <laughs> <laughs> did you call the nra the rna <laughs> <laughs> oh it's nra <laughs> 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 Getting things switched up here. Chill out, flop.